When people talk about Derek Jeter, they often refer to him as the second best shortstop ever. Sometimes they put Honus Wagner as number one, sometimes it's Cal Ripken. It's always someone, then Jeter. Why does Derek Jeter have to be the second best shortstop ever? I'm Alex Reisner, and you're listening to Game of Chance, a show about baseball statistics, history, culture, and the role of luck in baseball. Here's the thing. Jeter is not a good fielder, and he plays the most important infield position. And yet there's something about him that makes people feel like, well, he's probably not the best, but he must be the second best. Well, that's just not necessarily true. In baseball history, there are a lot of great shortstops. There are even two that are without question better than Jeter. Honus Wagner and Alex Rodriguez. Now, I know Alex Rodriguez isn't a shortstop anymore, but I'll get to that in a second. Honus Wagner was prolific. He played for 21 years and rarely missed a game. His wins above replacement was 10 or higher in four of those years, which is ridiculous. That actually puts him in a club with fewer than 10 players. Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, etc. He played 100 years ago, so it's hard to compare his offensive stats with current players. But if you look at all the numbers carefully, it's pretty hard to argue that there's been any better career by any shortstop ever. Now, Alex Rodriguez, by the time he's done, could have that career. I know he plays third base, but it's pretty obvious he'd still be playing shortstop on any team other than the Yankees. Not like he was moved to first base or DH or showed any signs of slowing down. I don't see how you can take him out of a great shortstop conversation just because the Yankees are stubborn about keeping Jeter at short. With that said, there's no comparison between A-Rod and Jeter. A-Rod's batting average is 10 points lower, but his slugging percentage is over 100 points higher. He has 370 more home runs, and he creates one and a half more runs a game. And he's also a better fielder. So if you consider A-Rod a shortstop, which I think you should, Jeter is at most the third best shortstop ever. But it's not that simple either, because there are plenty of other great shortstops, like Cal Ripken, who played more consecutive games than anyone, including a guy who was called the Iron Horse and played first base. He also had more power than Jeter, and was probably a better fielder. It's hard to compare his numbers to Jeter's because he played before the steroid era when batting averages were about 10 points lower, but I think he was probably not quite as good at getting on base. I think overall, in the end, Jeter has a slight edge over Ripken, but it's not that easy to prove. You can't just say Jeter was better without some pretty good reasons. I think Jeter versus Ripken may be one of those arguments that never dies. And then there's Ernie Banks. Now, I know he moved to first base halfway through his career, but he had his best offensive years at shortstop, so you can't dismiss him that easily. All right, tough guy? In eight full seasons at shortstop, he hit almost 300 home runs, slugged over 550, won two MVP awards, and had two more wins above replacement per year than Jeter during Jeter's best eight-year span. Basically, if you just look at the years Banks played shortstop, there's no comparison. There's no way you can slice Jeter's stats so they're even close. So I'm not going to get into what makes a legitimate shortstop, but think about that and look at the numbers if you're one of those people who say that Ernie Banks wasn't a shortstop. And also, remember, it's pretty easy to argue that Jeter shouldn't be a shortstop, that he should have been moved to third base a few years ago when A-Rod came to New York. So Jeter is really a shortstop only in name. There's also Robin Yount whose batting average and on-base percentage are lower than Jeter's, but that's partly because he played with Ripken in the pre-steroid era. Yount also changed positions halfway through his career because of a shoulder problem, but he moved to center field, which is, again, not like moving to first base or DH. 
and he played 11 full years at short, so you can't dismiss him right away either. Plus, if you've been to a Brewers game in the past couple of years, you probably know about Robinade, old school lemonade. Like the man, a natural classic. Some of the profits go to charity, so if you're ever in Milwaukee, you really should try a bottle. Now, can you imagine drinking a cool glass of Jeterade? No, I don't think you can. Alright, so there's some more shortstops worth mentioning from the time before athletes had their own beverages. Luke Appling, who played his whole career in the 30s and 40s for the White Sox, was, like Jeter, a terrible fielder. And his batting stats are similar too. 319 average, 399 on base percentage, and wins above replacement a year around 5. They're so similar you really can't talk about Jeter's place in history without knowing where Appling stands. There's also Joe Cronin who had a better runs created per game and wins above replacement per year than Jeter as a player manager. Now we know Jeter is the captain, but he's not the manager for crying out loud. Cronin also became Red Sox general manager and eventually was elected American League president. As a player, he hit over 500 doubles and walked over a thousand times. Jeter hasn't hit either of those marks yet and he's already 1,500 plate appearances ahead of Cronin. Cronin had a better on-base percentage, better slugging percentage, struck out a half as often. Even despite the problems of comparing players across eras, it's pretty hard to argue that Jeter is as good as Joe Cronin. And what about Archie Vaughn, Pittsburgh's shortstop in the 30s? Vaughn's wins above replacement is even better than Cronin's, and so is his 406 on-base percentage. He struck out less and rarely grounded into double plays. And in 1935, he had what might be the best season by any shortstop ever. A 385 average, 491 on base percentage, 607 slugging percentage, with 19 home runs, 97 walks, and only 18 strikeouts. Vaughn's career wasn't as long as Jeter's, but that's because of a little inconvenience called World War II, which came when Vaughn was 32 years old, which happens to be the age at which Jeter might have been at his best. Also, remember that Jeter's career isn't over yet. It's easy to point to the decline of guys like Vaughn and Banks late in their careers, but Jeter's batting average has dropped two points this year, and it's not likely to get much better. So there are some what-ifs involved in comparing his rate stats to anyone else's that don't work in his favor. There are some more shortstops who are very good, but I think not quite as good as Jeter. I don't know. Maybe you can make a case for one of these guys. Barry Larkin, Johnny Pesky, Joe Sewell, Lou Boudreau, and Alan Trammell. And to really consider the question of the best shortstops ever, I think you have to bring in the guys who are great fielders but not necessarily great hitters, like Ozzie Smith, Mark Belanger, Luis Aparicio, Joe Tinker, and probably Omar Vizquel. As we get better at quantifying defense, we may realize that one of those guys was good enough in the field to make up for their mediocre hitting. Now, I'm not saying any of this to bash Jeter. I always root against the Yankees, but I can't help but like Derek Jeter. There are just so many likable things about him, but when people need him to be the second best shortstop ever, it makes me cringe. Jeter is one of the best players of this generation. He's historically significant for a lot of reasons, and he'll probably be remembered for a long time, kind of like Mickey Mantle, both for the things he did and for the things people think he did. That's how it is with great players. They become mythical. You can find dozens of stories about how Mickey Mantle hit home runs that went 565, 620, and even 734 feet, none of which are possible. 
People who saw him hit the facade in Yankee Stadium in 1963 claimed the ball was still going up when it hit the facade, which is also impossible. Already, people remember Derek Jeter diving headfirst into the stands to catch a ball against the Red Sox in 2004. Not many people remember that he actually caught the ball in fair territory, not at the stands, and he should have slid to avoid going into the seats and getting injured. I'm also pretty sure he'll be remembered for having more clutch hits than he actually has, and also as a much better fielder. These things are annoying. They can even be infuriating if you're not a Yankees fan, but what about the Yankees isn't infuriating outside of New York, and Jeter's reputation isn't his fault. It's not like he talks about what a great fielder he is. 20 years from now, the Yankees will still be annoying. The announcers will still talk about how great they are when they make routine plays. But we won't be subjected to all the Jeter propaganda, and I think we'll have a better appreciation of his actual greatness, which is significant. A lot of non-Yankee fans like Mickey Mantle now, and I think in 20 years that may happen for Jeter too. I think part of the reason people need to build him up is that Jeter's numbers just aren't that exciting. He hits home runs, but he doesn't have a ton of power. He steals bases, but he doesn't steal a lot of bases. What he is, is consistent. He always gets around 200 hits, 30 doubles, 15 home runs, 20 steals, strikes out 100 times, and ends up with around 300 total bases. He's rarely missed a game in 15 seasons. His numbers are never outrageous, but they're very good, and they're remarkably consistent. They're the kind of numbers that, if you put them up while playing shortstop for a great team, you get into the Hall of Fame as soon as you're eligible, regardless of your defense. And Jeter deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's been the face of a great team for 15 years, and he's one of the top 10 players of his generation. Just please, don't try to tell me he's the second best shortstop of all time. I'm Alex Reisner, and you've been listening to Game of Chance. For comments and discussion, see the website at gameofchance.alexreisner.com or give me a call at 32323-00233.